0: Blob
1: Talk Radio. Hello, Matt Town. Welcome to another hastily prepared edition of Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got the Estimable Doghouse on the line after the Nationals split the doubleheader with the Phillies today, end the day 24 and 13 on the year. and. Doghouse, it looked like they were about to blow another one late in the game. Uh, The Phillies take a 5-4 lead in the eighth inning. Two walks, one each for Grace, Matt Grace, and Jacob Turner. Two-run triple by Freddie Galvis puts the Phillies up. Just when it looked like all hope was lost, however, Michael A. Taylor, two-run home run off the left field foul pole, 6-5 Nats on a first pitch. I think it was a fastball from Neshek, but who could tell with that side-winding frisbee thrower? Michael A. Taylor comes up big for the Nationals. Uh, I thought for sure I had a written up the whole Nationals bullpen blows it again headline, but Michael A. Taylor saves the bullpen from another one.
0: Yeah, and, and talk about your unlikely heroes. You know, I, I've got my, my whole Michael A. Taylor is a 4A player who will never make it in the big leagues and can't <laughs> make contact narrative going along He he keeps getting big hits and, you know, knocking stuff over the wall and making me look foolish, which, you know, I'm okay with if it results in a win. But, geez,
1: don't make me reevaluate my narrative, bro. (laughs) It really is obnoxious to make us rewrite stories and narratives. But luckily for the Nationals, Michael A. Taylor came up big. Luckily for the Nationals also, they did not lose Max Scherzer, who got a line drive off his leg in the fourth inning tonight, 100 miles an hour off the bat, that's when exit velocity really hurts, Uh, right back off his knee uh, by Michael Saunders, uh, (laughs) tried to walk it off, fell to the ground in pain, Uh, everyone in that town probably fearing the worst at that point, but... Max Scherzer is one ornery cuss, and he's a tough guy, and he wasn't about to leave this game. He talked his way back onto the mound, threw some practice pitches, stayed in the game for six innings, two more innings after that, which is just unbelievable considering what it it looked like at first. Uh, One of those two innings, an immaculate inning, nine pitches, three Ks, all strikes, Um, the second national in in nationals history to do so. Uh, If you can name the other one to do it, you win the prize for the night jordan zimmerman and an away game versus hey. the Mets. damn it you never get these right and i don't have a prize <laughs> 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 what about that that gutty performance from scherzer though i pretty much thought if he didn't leave the game right away at that point that he'd go into the dugout and have that knee tighten up on him and really looked bad at first but uh i will withhold uh making any judgments until I see him get back on the mound again next time around, but really gutty performance. So I'm actually going to stay in there and do what he did tonight.
0: Yeah, I, I know. I had to, to text you, and then someone else who, who was hearing Charlie and Dave, because they were up on the other couple concourse, came down and told me about it. Uh, I was, I figured it couldn't have been his leg, because he got back up eventually and started pitching. I thought if it hit him on the leg, you know, there was no way he was be fact, I was pretty sure it hit him in the business, and you know, so you you roll around, it, it hurts, you want to throw up for a while, but then you can you can kind of shake that off and, and move on from it, you know, which again kind of speaks to Scherzer's toughness that I just assumed that was what happened and that he was cheaping through it. Uh, the, the fact that if if it actually hit off his knee, uh, someone else was saying that it, that it hit him pretty square on the ankle, uh, I, right right I, at the top I'm of the quite, ankle knee. I, I'm quite frankly astonished that he came right back out and threw nine unhittable strikes and got, got three dudes out just like that.
1: That's he's, he's a remarkable fellow. He really is. Continues to impress. As I noted in the quick story on the immaculate inning, you add that to 20 K game, two, no hitters, just continues to impress just about every time out there on the mound I was happy when he gave up a hit early tonight, so I didn't have to spend six or seven innings wondering if he was going to throw another no-hitter, but Max Scherzer just continues to impress. Michael A. Taylor comes up big in the nightcap. cap, the Nationals take that one to improve to 24-13. To but unfortunately, we're going to delve back a little bit into the afternoon half of this doubleheader, uh, start with Gio Gonzalez at least, that will go with a positive and keep the good five going here. Uh, six scoreless on 97 pitches, three double plays, I Gave up three walks, but kept on getting double plays to erase them. Eight ground outs on the day. Uh, solid start putting runners on, but erased them, as I repeat myself, because I'm just reading notes like an automaton. Um, gave up a home run and a single in the seventh. 112 pitches total on the day for Geo. Uh, solid start, even if he didn't look fantastic out there on the mound. He left the game with a lead. You know, much as, as I like to harp about peripherals, and certainly the peripherals did not look
0: spectacular in this outing, uh, what ultimately gets chalked up in the record books is the result, and this was a pretty good result at least until the bullpen got a hold of it so check mark up for geo uh, We can certainly point to uh, a certain amount of uh, steadiness in his approach that when he got himself into jams, he kept trying to pitch himself out of it and didn't sort of lose control of of the game and start you know nibbling too much or being unable to. To try and keep getting some weak contact, and you know, okay, there's a little bit of luck in getting a lot of double play balls, but some of that is also execution and sticking with a game plan. And tonight, Gio did that. It may have not have been the prettiest outing, but it was an effective outing, and it speaks to uh, it speaks to the maturity of his mental approach this season that he was able to keep it together and
1: do as well as he did.
0: And then That's the bullpen the terrible. <laughs>
1: He left the mound with a 3-1 lead after Tommy Joseph homeward off of him in the seventh. Uh, it stayed that way until the ninth inning. Sean Kelly back off the DL, comes out for the save opportunity, gives up a home run by Aaron Altair on a 3-2 fastball, uh, lead down to 3-2 at that point. Michael Franco just misses tying it up, a double off the center field wall. Cameron Rupp comes up next, another double, drives Franco in. It's a 3-3 game all of a sudden. Freddie Galvis walks. That's it for Sean Kelly. Coda Glover comes on, gives up a single by Ty Kelly. Four to three Phillies at that point. They hold on for the win, take the first game with the doubleheader today. Uh, after the first game, Dusty Baker was asked. I'm paraphrasing the questions here. With a lead in the division, uh, struggles in the bullpen, does that allow them to have patience? Or are they pushing for a trade? Dusty Baker's response similar to what we've been saying over the last couple of days and we've been discussing these blown leads. Dusty Baker says you're always pushing for a trade but ain't nobody trading right now. Sometimes you have no choice but to have nobody's gonna drop you a knockdown closer out of the sky. I guess he probably meant lockdown, but he did say knockdown. Uh, until there are some teams out of it. We have to look within right now. People know when you're in need and when they know you're in need, then they have to rob you of your system. Uh, it's basically what we've been saying all along here, that no one's going to trade you a lights-out closer at this point in the season, and teams start falling out of it. They might be more willing to trade uh, assets that they have. But if you're trying to get a closer right now, uh, Dusty Baker's right. I think there, someone's going to make you pay, how uh, almost said, at the rear end. But I did say it now, and Nationals need help in the bullpen. I don't know where they're going to find it right now.
0: You know, I, I'm sure that, that Rizzo is looking everywhere you can look, and I'm sure that somewhere in the Nats organization they have a wish list all drawn up in rank-ordered priority of, you know, who they'd like to get, who they think they can get, but you're not going to get anyone now unless you wildly overpay for him, And, you know, of course, you wait too long, you're going to wildly overpay for them later. Yeah, it's like we've been talking about earlier. There is some sweet spot of the owners being out of contention and it not being too late that they know that you're too desperate that you can make some, some optimal window of, of doing a deal. And that's certainly not right now. I don't know when that is or even if that, that window is going to occur this season. But if it does, you can be sure that Brizzo's looking for it and, and looking to get something done. And in the meantime, we all cross our fingers that, you know, what's what's uh, the expression that they all start pitching to the back of their baseball card? Uh, you know, there, there's still the – regression can be positive. So, you know, cross your fingers and whistle past the 10 ERA bullpen graveyard that uh, maybe people start putting it together. Because um, that, that's all we can do for now. And um, honestly, until – any potential postseason, the team doesn't have to do anything else. You know, the only reason that you'd need a lockdown bullpen for the comparison of, of what this team has versus what else is in the division is in postseason play.
1: I did think it was interesting. they uh, are talking about all the homers, the bullpen was given up. Uh, Mike Rizzo, as you mentioned, talked the other day about how these guys, their numbers aren't reflective of what they've done in their, they've done in their careers. Uh, Dusty Baker was asked if what's going differently for them, if it was possibly Matt Weeders behind the plate and getting used to these pitchers and calling for the right pitches in the right situations. He said, and I tend to agree with him, uh, I should mention Sean Kelly said today that his slider just wasn't working for him. Dusty Baker said the same. And when your slider's not working and you're a two pitch pitcher, it doesn't leave much mystery to what you're going to throw. Dusty Baker said it's just a difference in location. It's all about location. Most of the time, if you throw the ball where you're trying to locate it, they might get a hit, but they're not going to hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, we've seen that with Kelly. He's missing on his slider, and when he does, that gets crushed. If he doesn't have a slider on, he's giving up and home runs, and uh, they said it's a matter of location. Those guys down there, they're trying big time, and they're all going crazy to figure it out, along with Mike Maddox and myself. It's a big downer when you lose games late, uh, but – you just go back and try to win the game and go forward. Uh, they have Kelly out there. You took over for Blake Trinan when Trinan failed in the closer position. Coda uh, Glover out there today, too, didn't look particularly sharp. Both of those guys coming off the DL in time off, so I think you got to give them a little time to adjust there. But uh, maybe Dusty Baker keeps throwing Matt Albers there out there in the night until these guys get it all together. If you're Dusty Baker, uh, what are you doing next time this team has a lead? Oh, this, this is why I'm glad they're, they're not
0: paying me to do any of this. Uh, <laughs> you know, to you, do you, 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 you do what he's been doing. I mean, you, you, you play the matchups, you go with who's fresh and, and who looks like they have it today. I mean, I, I don't think you can really assign someone the role of the leverage ace or the high leverage ace right now. Uh, no one's really earned it. Uh Romero and Albers have been screwing up the least, so maybe you put them in. But, you know, honestly, uh, Albers isn't going to keep fooling people for that much longer. You know, he's he's not going to make it the full season without getting figured out with some pretty unpleasant effects for the Nats. Uh, the
1: guys with, with the big stuff got to figure it out. You have them at the back of the bullpen, Albers in the sixth and seventh Along with any Marrero, I think you're much better off. And that's obviously what the nationals intended once they didn't get the big name closer this winter, but uh, they're going to keep on hearing this. They're going to keep on hearing fans say that we all knew this was going to happen until the nationals figure this out or these pitchers start doing what the nationals expected them to do. They blew another one. They could have taken both ends of this doubleheader today, but end up earning the split. They do take, uh, yeah, they, end up the day 24 and 13. I have a day off tomorrow to cover, get everyone back to full strength. But before we wrap up here, I want you to answer a big question for me. I have it written in my notes, bobbleheads. What's the deal with bobbleheads? I was going to do a Seinfeld uh, impersonation there, but I'm too tired for that at this point after two games today. But Apparently, there was a big mess trying to get these bobbleheads handed out. The doubleheader kind of pushed things back. They didn't open the gates until an hour and a half before game time, as opposed to the usual two or so hours before the game time starts. Uh, what was going on out there before the nightcap of this doubleheader, and what was your experience getting in there? Because I saw a lot of angry Nationals fans on Twitter and a lot of pictures of huge crowds outside of the park getting in there. If that had been an hour and a half before game time, there wouldn't have been any problems. It was an
0: hour and a half after the end of the previous game, which turned out to be 45 minutes before game time. So (laughs) the the gates didn't open until 6:15, 6:20, and by then, all 20,000 people who were going to get their bobbleheads were in line and waiting to get in. (laughs) Uh, And you know, people weren't weren't that upset. I was, uh, up on the, uh, right field gate and people weren't, you know, too out of hand over there. But, uh, you know, it was just a big mass of people come in and there are two guys up at the top of the stairs trying to, you know, open the boxes and stack up all the bobbleheads and hand them out. And it was like, I texted you, you know, there's a police officer over there, like handing them boxes and helping them open crates. It, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, that ill-fated umbrella giveaway at RFK back in, like, 2006 or 7, where they decided to give them out after the game. And there was just, like, this mass of people surrounding the tables where the Nats employees are desperately trying to rip open boxes that are, like, hurling umbrellas out into the crowd to keep the savages away. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. Uh, but it, I, it, it certainly could have been handled better. I mean, there, there's just – if there are that many people lined up there's no place to put the line. So people are going to get crowded and, and scooched all around and, and end up being upset. Uh, the only way around that would have been to open the gates sooner. And I, I just don't know if that would have worked out with the logistics of resetting the park for the next game. And, you know, certainly one of the other uh, fans that I was talking to today was, was quite, quite put out that all the vegetarian stands were out of food. So oh, that, uh, game, you know, huh? I I think she eventually Ended up getting like a veggie dog or something But the, the few veggie Stands they actually had All ran out of food
1: <laughs> You know what they say The herbivores ate well because their food didn't ever run Didn't go smoothly yeah. for the Nationals Tonight <laughs> They take the second half yeah. doubleheader though Apparently, Twitter magnifies the uh, anger that was going on out there. Your experience, at least, doesn't sound as bad as what I was seeing on Twitter. Max Scherzer gets it, the accusation, but yeah, yeah, there was a lot of Twitter anger going around there, which tends to magnify things at times, I'm sure. But yeah, good to get a first person experience of it. Mat with the winner tonight to put the Nats on top. Day off tomorrow. Everyone enjoy that. Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. Talk to you on Tuesday night, sir. Go Nats.